what I just said, the Gabriella, Maria, Teresa, and Scott show to the Gabby and Scott show. We thought it was catchier. Um, do you want to say anything about that, Gabby? Because I have something to say about it. Um, I have a few things to say. I, I like efficiency, and so the shorter, the better in this scenario. I do miss Gabriella. <laughs> Dustin's laughing. I do miss Gabriella and Maria Teresa just because it's more time spent on me, but I can live without it because we still have the gift of Gabby. Well, you'll have to live without it. <clears throat> but the, the way the negotiations went on this... <laughs> You know, uh, because obviously this was not something that suited her, but it suited me very much. I wanted my name to be first, but, you know, I could only get so much out of this. So we, we negotiated about a whole room full of people, you know, lawyers, accountants, everybody was there. Italians. <laughs> Italians, right. Yeah, Gabby is Italian for those of you who, who haven't picked up on that. We and unionize in, so in our we, world. We had the negotiations began this way. We had the um, I imperious and domineering Gabby on one side of the table, you know, with her teeth clenched and her arms folded, refusing to do anything at all and saying she would walk if any change was made. And on the other side of the table was me, you know, in a dignified way, you know, on my, on my knees, you know, wretched, you know, begging forgiveness for my dirty existence. And so that's how the negotiations began. And um, eventually I discovered, or my lawyer discovered, a, uh, the, a charity clause in the contract where I actually can <laughs> ask for a charity, and at least one time it will be given to me. And that was the charity I asked for. So, you know, I kind of feel as though I won, but I, I don't get any more charity. Um, but anyway, I, we like the name of the show better. We do. Hopefully we do. it's better to remember, and we really are just Gabby and Scott, so... All of that's going to be real cool. That'll, that'll work. As long as I can keep wearing the tiara. Yes, you may. Okay. Madam, Madam Queen. Awesome. Uh, would, is there anything you wanted to start the show with? Um, hmm. Want to talk about the weekend? Sure. You want to start? Sure, start? I'll start. Um, it worked mostly. I saw you a little bit. I saw we had a nice like late lunch on Friday, and yeah. we could talk a little bit about that. And, and then we had my fabulous um, housewarming party on Sunday that... You stopped by at um, that Dustin seemed to miss. That's okay. I cried, but it's okay. Dustin's like, what are you talking about? I sent you an invitation. Um, I, I saw you for like five minutes at it. I don't stop by. I make the scene. Mm. That's what I was doing. Is that what you call that? Yeah, making the scene, baby. Okay. That's what I did. N nobody's seen you for it very was, long. Uh, well, I was only there for a few minutes, but, you know, when, when, when I came in, um, you only saw me a little bit, but surely you can remember... You know, just how, um, you know, foppish and natally dressed I was and just <laughs> looking real fine. And I had to leave after a little while because, because so many babes were coming for me um, <laughs> that I had to... Uh, wow, I, I was too busy indoors to, to witness all that. Yeah, you, you were busy. It, uh, seeing Gabby at her own party, you, you would think, you would picture... Her, you know, flitting around trying to make everyone else comfortable. But no, no, she was sitting in a big soft chair like a princess among Bavarian creams. <laughs> you know, very, very regal. Uh, made the rest of us. Well, it was designed to make the rest of us feel small. I, I, I felt somewhat small. Now, I noticed, even though I was well, especially next to the guys that were feeding me grapes and fanning <laughs> me, they were. <laughs> yeah, it was a scene out of Caligula. You know. <laughs> It really um, was. And when I when I left, as I as I walked, because we don't live that far apart, but as I as I walked off, 
um, I guess everybody realized I, I had left. And um, I, I heard people, you know, whooping and waving their hats. And I don't know whether had any, that had anything to do with the fact that I had just then left <laughs> or whether something had just occurred there that, yeah, that made them want to act that way. I don't think it was about you. Uh, now Gabby, Gabby throws a classy affair. Um, I, I had to go before the pie-eating contest began. <laughs> uh, but Gabby came in second. Uh, very strong performance. You'll get them next year, Gal. I'll try. Let me tell you, throwing a party, I do like having guests over, but then, then you go, oh, wow, this is a lot of work. Yeah, and I really don't like these people. No, I really did like them. It was a really nice turnout. It was a housewarming because we just moved in to the neighborhood. Um, I kind of refer to us as the riffraff of the neighborhood. That's how your neighbors <laughs> refer to you, too, I'm sure. It's a very nice neighborhood, um, slightly affluent on my block, and I thought it would be a nice way to, like, meet all the neighbors at one time because I do work a lot so I don't have a lot of socializing time and in this neighborhood you have to kind of be accepted and adopted and it's very southern and so you have to do all kinds of southern proper things so I thought I would have everybody over and it's the south so I thought nobody would show up like at the time I said I said stop by anytime after 12 well the neighbors were there like at 1210 I'm like what the I'm not even ready. I don't have anything ready to go, cut up. And they're there with their children, and they're coming like in a caravan, bringing flowers and wine, and it was all fabulous, but I was a horrible hostess. Well, when you say the party's going to start at 12, it's kind of sounding as though you run your life like the airlines. When <laughs> you say the party's going to start at 12, why would you be so surprised that everybody is there at 12 ready to roll? Because it's the South. And the one thing I've learned about the South is that when you – people have actually taught me this, seriously. Like, someone will schedule a meeting with me, and they'll be like, well, let's meet 3 o'clock, but you know, give me that window of 30 minutes. I should be there by 3.30. That happens a lot. So now I just – you start to adopt it, and you're like, ah, 12 o'clock. Maybe they'll be there by 2. It's Sunday. They're church-going folks. I arrived at a very fashionable 2.30. See? Exactly. But I had other things to do and didn't really want to come in the first place. No, you nice. Know, it's more or less drag there. Hmm. But, you know, wh while you're talking about being the riffraff in the neighborhood, I, I, we live five streets apart. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't think my property values would be affected by this. <laughs> but my appraiser says they have been, and I've got a choice of either, <laughs> either selling the house or burning it down. It, it's not going to make a whole lot of difference. Uh, is it, so is it now considered a distressed property? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So that's about how. Can that I make went. an offer? <laughs> <laughs> Your offer would be to burn it, not to buy it. Right? Sounds like I could buy it really cheap just because of my existence. <laughs> that's awesome. So, so here's the thing with this party. So I'm not ready. I'm not prepared. I feel sort of bad, but I do have a significant other that I was hoping would really do it all for me because I work so much. Well, he was in the middle of doing it all. He was at the store buying more stuff. But that's a whole other thing. Like, I wish you would have already had it all there. Is this significant other as significant as me? Oh, gosh. Ooh, I bet that was supposed to be as significant as I. Well, we won't get tied up in yeah. that. So anyway, um, so my point was I wasn't ready. And so one of my friends and his mom stopped by, and she starts giving me kind of a hard time because she's Italian, and that's what we do. And her maiden name was the same as mine. 
So we think we're related. So she starts right away, like, what can I do? What can I do? Let me start doing stuff for you. And she takes over my kitchen, and I'm like, thank you, God. Awesome. I can go back to the fluffy chair. Yeah. Perfect. You certainly weren't capable of doing anything exactly. for yourself. So she starts cutting things up, organizing things. And, and she goes, I need to put you in the WIT program. And I'm like, what the hell is the WIT program? Yeah, W-I-T. W-I-T, yeah. Wife in training. You need wife in training. <laughs> and I said, you know what? You're absolutely right. However, if I'm going to be in the WIT program, I actually need a wedding date. Oh. I need to be a wife. Well, now, <clears throat> I guess I have a couple things to say. First of all, I believe there are a lot of girls who need to be in that program. But... <laughs> Secondly, if there's not a wedding date yet, I've still got an opening. Yes. Ha. Ah. How, how about that? I like that. How do you like that? Does that excite you? A little bit. I, I think it a does. A little bit. You know, look at that sweat over there. Yeah, in I'm getting kind of excited. Would you let me lip? Who? <laughs> 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 that wasn't Gabby. That was that was our producer in there clowning around because he has nothing better to do. Would you would you let me live the life that? Well, I guess not that I'm accustomed to, but I that I always hope to be accustomed to. If if you like a life of austerity and hardship, uh, yes, you can live that life. No, that's not the life. You've had your last about. Bavarian cream, though. Hmm. Daddy would have let me have that life. Who? My father. I'm. Oh, I, your father. I have a. I got a daddy complex. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not your daddy. Um, so if we're going to get married, you're going to be on a short leash. But you could be my baby daddy. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it just came to mind. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Scott is very single and available. Right. The whole purpose of the show really is, you know, uh, that we hope to find some girl out there who is pathetic enough that she would be willing to accept me, even on a short-term basis. It would be plenty. It would be more than more than I deserve, in fact. Could you define short term? Uh, you know, two or three days. I, I, I don't I think. I was going to say I could help you out if it's like a one hour situation. Uh, yeah. I, I could give you a couple recommendations. Yeah, I have to pay for those, right? Yeah. Yeah, we wouldn't. But you get really have to pay no matter what, whether you are hiring or taking uh, a woman out for dinner. Yes. Come to right? think of it, I I have made some rather large and significant payments. Over over time, exactly that I I, I won't get into because uh, all that's just fine. But I, I do know that it. Shoot, y you know I'm not even being straight with you. I do those things because I want to do them. Yeah, you do. No, no girl has ever insisted that I do anything at all. I do those things because I want to do them, and maybe that's something I shouldn't have even started kidding around about. Mm, I'm thinking about breaking up with someone. No, um, we're getting ready to go to break. Oh, but when we come back, I want to um, I want to talk about that. Because it, it brings something to mind, something called the wallet threat. Oh, okay. So we're uh, we're gonna head we're gonna head on to break. So uh, see you in a see ya in a couple minutes. Welcome back to the Gabby and Scott show. You're making all kinds of weird gestures at me. I'm pointing at you because we're on the air and you're oh. still making your chicka bomb bomb sound. Bomb chicka bomb bomb. It's like bad porno music. I just think people expect a little more from us than than that. So Are you sure? Have you listened to our show? I was going to say let's talk about something that has some substance, but if I'm going to ask you that question, I need to be uh, aware, you know, that you don't quite have that range. Right, but right. You said you had something on your mind just before that break. Well, you were ta we were talking about spending money on a on a woman, and you're very generous. You're a very generous guy, 
and I ran across something that really entertained me after having having late lunch, early dinner on Friday with you <laughs> over the word cowflower, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, oh, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, I want to talk about cowflower and, and different words and language. And that led me to going to the Urban Dictionary. And it's fascinating. I could spend forever on the Urban Dictionary. But I ran across on the Urban Dictionary today something called the wallet threat. Have you ever heard of wallet threat? No. Wallet threat is the reluctant act of pulling one's wallet out as a sign of willingness to pay for a meal you assumed was a treat. And here's the example quote. Mike, put that thing away. Dinner is on me tonight. But it's so expensive. Dude, seriously, chill out with the wallet threat. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now, I have something to say about it. <clears throat> And I'm going to have to sit I'm here. I'm feeding you know, this one to you. With my hands over my mouth, unless you're giving me my turn to talk. Uh huh. You would have to find the definition for that in Urban Dictionary, because you've certainly never, I've never seen it from you in real life. <laughs> I haven't even seen a wallet. I have neither seen wallet, nor willingness, nor gratitude, in fact. You know, the, the check is passed my way and sort of slapped down in front of me by Gabby. And, of course, I scoop it up and pay for it and, uh, you know, realize that once again I have been trounced. So every time I go and have um, one of our late afternoon lunches or early dinners, whatever that is, it adds another day to my, adds another year probably to my work life. Mm -hmm. It's been, my retirement has been suspended because I now have to work to make up for the money that I just had to spend on you. Maybe this is why you're single because you don't, because you're spending all your money on me and not a really qualified lead. There are probably more reasons and better reasons that I'm single. Uh, it may be a contributing factor there. <laughs> you know, in... <laughs> I have spent all the money on you, and I'm only able to afford a can of Vienna sausages, you know, for the girls I actually go out with. But Vienna sausages are good, and they're good for you. I was just going to ask you, what does a Vienna sausage look like? It's, it's, it looks like about a... <laughs> oh, for crying out loud. Uh, it looks are they like cocktail weenies? Yeah, they're sort of like that. They're the length of a, about a third of a hot dog. Mm. And, um, you know, that gives me bad memories. Country people like these things. And uh, they eat them with uh, saltines and stuff like that. So, you know, that's, that's one of the meals. And uh, the, the girls I go out with don't seem very impressed by it. Now, deep down inside, it may warm their heart. But um, no. out, outwardly, they don't show that. No. But a lot of people hide what they're really feeling. No, so they're, I not like feeling, they're not feeling positive things about yeah, the Vienna You're, you're probably right. I'm just kidding, kidding myself about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Did you have something else you wanted to say? Well, I mean, it gets into this whole language thing. That's what spurred me. That's what sent me to Urban Dictionary because when we... Um, got together on Friday, you said to me, <coughs> before I got, because I was late, as usual. Uh, well, actually, I went to the wrong place. Let's start with that. <laughs> I went to the wrong restaurant. So I was totally late to meet with you. I apologize for that. I was an airhead. Mm -hmm. I do not accept that apology. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> as a total airhead. So you said while you were waiting for me, you heard these ladies in the next booth saying, cauliflower. Would you like to talk about that? I can see you want to talk about it. I wasn't going to bring it up at all. Well, I want to bring it up only because I was right, 
and I love hearing that. And when you texted me that I was right, it really, it just brightened my day. And so I want you to talk about cauliflower. All right, here's, here, here's, the, way, here's the way this happened. And I, I, I let my, um, my um, arrogance, uh, <laughs> boy, I hate to use that word. I'm really kidding about that. But I got a little bit ahead of myself on this one because these were two southern ladies over there, and they were asking the waitress. They used the word like five or six times, cauliflower. And it was it was just like, you know, clanging cymbals when I heard the word because I knew that wasn't how it was pronounced. I knew it for sure. And uh, so when Gabby arrived, uh, the ladies had already gone, uh, so they couldn't hear what I was saying, of course. They were very, very sweet women. But um, I said to Gabby, you know, can you believe these, these women over here referring to that vegetable as cauliflower? And she said, well, that's how you pronounce it. And I said, no, no, it's not. And I told her that it was pronounced cauliflower. <laughs> to which I said uh, she told me that I was wrong mm-hmm. and may have even used a word like stupid <laughs> I'm not sure um, it was something along those lines so we talked about it a little bit and, and I said you know when I get home I'm going to look this up which is what I like to do because because you were dying to tell me I was wrong I, I was dying to do that you're right <laughs> And it happens all the time. You know, I love, I love telling other people that they're wrong. It's a joy in my life. <laughs> you know, I don't need love. I don't need peace. I just need to tell other people that they're wrong, and I'm, I'm perfectly happy. So I got home and looked it up, and it turns out there are alternate pronunciations. Mine was not among them. It, it's either cauliflower or cauliflower. And uh, so I called my mom and dad. I figured I must have learned it from them, and they both pronounced it. I spelled the word and had them say it, and they both pronounced it correctly, Gabby's way. Um, they pronounced now, it cauliflower? Uh, well, cauliflower, not the hard cali. Okay. Um, I don't know. That, that's a little ridiculous to me. I don't care whether it's right or not. It still sounds ridiculous to me. Ridiculous. Um, I, did you say ridiculous? I said ridiculous. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I pronounced it correctly. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, sounded out phonetically. <laughs> um, but I didn't know, you know, having, having obviously <laughs> made an error of some kind there, I still couldn't really accept that I was wrong. I can accept that the dictionary was wrong, <laughs> but I, I didn't even know. I don't know what it looks like to be wrong. It's it's not happened before, so I don't I don't know what that feels like or looks like. But Gabby, you would know. Is that what that is like when when you're wrong? I'm never wrong. You've got so many years of experience in being wrong. No, I'm always right. Well, anyway, this was this was unfamiliar to me. But I, I'll tell you how I'm going to solve this problem. I'm never going to say the word. I'm never going <laughs> to order the vegetable again. I am off cauliflower mm-hmm. and on to broccoli. <laughs> broccoli? Something that I could say with more certainty. <laughs> I know nobody's going to turn their head when I say broccoli. Well, we started, we started talking about this, and especially in the South, because people say different things, and they have different phrases. And no matter where you live, there's a different kind of regional or cultural thing going on. And down here, like, for instance, the phrase, bless your heart. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you were touching a nerve on that one. Uh-oh. It's not really a nerve. It's something that I like to say about bless his heart because you're right, around, around, around our neck of the woods, if you don't mind another southern expression there, <laughs> people say bless his heart all the time. And the, 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 the common knowledge here is that when someone is referring to another person saying bless his heart, they generally don't like the person. They're just trying to make themselves look a little nicer by saying bless his heart. But then after bless his heart, you know, you come to find out that they hate the person. 
you know. Well, yeah, and it's 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 a it's really another phrase for f u. It's kind of like that. Yeah. So uh, I, w I, I think I need to leave out the thing that I normally say about bless your heart because uh, uh, there may be some folks who would, who would be a little bit offended by the word I use, and I know it's a word I can't use, so I'll just skip over that <laughs> altogether. But I was uh, aside from we could go on about the South, but I was talking about in when I was back in Chicago and I had a staff, and they were inner-city kids, and I had to be totally on top of their language to be hip because if you want them to... You want to be able to relate to them, so you got to kind of be hip. So I'd come into work sometimes, and they'd be like, "Hey, G Money, hey, G Money, you balling today?" I'm like, "What the hell does that mean? What do you mean I'm balling? I'm not balling. I'm not crying. I'm fine. What is G oh. Money? What does that mean? Balling? I that's fairly no, descriptive. Balling. Yeah, balling. <clears throat> or you a baller? Like, okay. So I st I had to get like a quick cur a quick course and like this new language of ballin'. So ballin' is like someone who's like high style and has money. I'm like, well, that's news to me. Um, that's not true of you. You're not saying that, are you? That I have money? Right. No, I don't. Right. I have you. Right. You should have <laughs> plenty of money because you're living <laughs> off me. But, you know, while you're telling your boring stories like this, we should be taking commercial breaks all the way through here while you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> and if, if anyone, I know people are listening, but if anybody wants to talk to us, they could call in at 646-652-2071, 646-652-2071, or join hearwomentalksocial.com and chat with us. Yeah, you can chat. You know, I think I think... Probably more people like to chat than call. Well, they're afraid of you. You know, I'm and they ought to be. Yeah. Ooh, um, but anyway, we we like to get like to get chats too because uh, we'll just take what you say and we'll we'll respond to you. We'll uh, have a little fun, whatever we want to do. So be sure to send that. And how much time do we have left before the? We got about we got two minutes before we okay. go to break. Well, oh, look at that. We do. We have this, two minutes. This weekend, um, I, I entered a bodybuilding contest. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't believe that. Actually, what I probably what I entered was a skin and bones contest. Mm, um, that makes sense. And just like your pie eating contest, I came in second. <laughs> um, I thought I thought I had I had a lock on that thing, but they entered a cadaver, <laughs> and he was you know very thin, very gaunt, uh, very you know just skeletal. Uh, so I came in second there, but. Apparently, there is no contest I can win. I knew I'd be out of luck on bodybuilding, but I thought, hey, skin and bones contest, that's for me. Yeah. That's for me right there. And only second place. Second place. I was disappointed. Did you get a crown and a sash? They, they didn't give me anything at all. They just, they just sent they me on my way. Did they give you a Vienna sausage to eat? Yeah. Yeah, they gave me a can <laughs> of Vienna sausages to, you know, fatten me up a little bit. I think we're getting ready to go to break. Thank goodness. So... <laughs> So we're going to go to break, and please call us and talk to us so that Scott can have someone else to talk to besides me. See yeah, you or send your chats. Remember that now. We'd like to see them. Listen, I wanted, to, I wanted to tell you about something that happened recently, and this actually is the first time that either one of us has said anything serious on the show, mm -hmm. but um, 
I wanted, I wanted to tell you something that happened, because a, a lot of what I say, you can tell, uh, for those of you who are listening, you can tell a lot of things I say I'm just having a little fun with, and you know they're not completely true, and we're just having fun about that, but this really is something serious. Um, I had an experience that um, probably most people go through their whole lives and never get to have. It was very unique in that way. I have a friend, uh, and we have been friends since, since I was 12 years old, and he said he's a few years older than me, but we've been friends all that time. And, you know, wonderful person, wonderful friend, um, <clears throat> a beautiful inside and out wife, and just a, a life that people would envy. He called me, um, I guess about three weeks ago, something like that, and told me that he has Lou Gehrig's disease. Mm. And um, I, probably most people know something about that. I can't describe that illness, but... But it is most definitely, um, I understand, you know, it is terminal, <clears throat> it is not treatable, and there is a great deal of suffering involved in that. And he knew he had it, even though he hadn't been told that by a physician, because his father had passed away many years ago of the same disease. And my friend, uh, well, his name is Chuck. Uh, Chuck had, had watched his father die of Lou Gehrig's disease, understood every symptom, and Chuck was experiencing the very same symptoms as his father. Mm. So there was no question about this. And so when he first called to tell me about that, you know, it's hard to know what to say. We've all been in those situations where we really don't know what to say. We know what we, know what we feel towards the person, but a lot of, time, the, a lot of times the words, the words come a little bit slower. We're more in touch with maybe a feeling than, than what we would say that, that would feel right. There's, there, there are not many things you can say that would make a person feel better when they're facing something that, like that. And he was facing it rather immediately. He had watched these things build. Uh, the symptoms became worse and worse and worse. And um, as we talked about it in two or three conversations over a you know, week or two period, um, he was prepared to die. He was going to die. And he was getting ready for that. And he began talking about himself in the past tense, mm. talking about what his wife would need after, after he died. And um, actually, I wasn't going to say this. I talked to Chuck just before the show, and he told me to say it, and I told him that I probably wouldn't. But um, he actually said, um, and this gives you an idea of, of, the, of the wonderful person, the wonderful, generous caring about others sort of person that he is, he laid in bed one night. His wife told me this story after everything happened, and actually this has a very good ending, uh, so please know that as you're listening to this. But as he and his wife were, were lying in bed one night, he turned to her and said, after um, I die, um, I would like you to marry Scott. Oh, wow. And, you know... That is that is that is something. It is it is one whale of a compliment to me, but it shows you just how sure he was he was he was going to die, and it shows you what a generous heart he has to be thinking about his wife and his friend after that, after he is already gone. A marvelous thing. So when the the time came up for the doctor's visit, I knew that was going to be on Friday morning, and so I called him early that morning and asked if he wanted to go with me to the doctor. And because we're guys, he said, no, no, I know you're busy. Uh, you know, you've got, you know, all these things that you have to do, and you're busy, which is, which is almost a hurtful thing to realize about yourself, that anybody would, would think that you are too busy for them at a time like that. 
-hmm. yeah. And I don't mean that he was hurting me. I just mean I felt hurt because you always want to be there for your friends. And right. I thought, gee, I hope I always am. So I said to him, and I get the idea that it was the first time anybody had said this to him uh, throughout this, you know, three-week period or whatever it was. I, th I think most people were saying to him, I uh, don't, don't, try not to think about it. You know, as if you can do that. You know, you haven't gotten the final word from the doctors, and maybe you don't even have it. And those sort sorts of things, while those those hearts are in the right places when they say that, um, it doesn't do much for the person. I don't believe because it makes them feel as though nobody really understands their plight. Everybody else seems to be in a state of denial, which makes you feel very alone. Mm -hmm. And so, as he said, he didn't want me to go with him to the doctor out of concern for, you know, how my day generally goes. I said, I said, Chuck, and this, this changed it. The story is not about me. It is about my friend. But I said, Chuck, I know you're afraid. And there was a long pause there. And I think it was the first time anybody had actually said those words to him, I know you're afraid, rather than denying it. And he said... I would like you to go with me mm. and my wife to the doctor's office. So I got my things ready and, and went directly up there and met them, and he got called back into the doctor's office. Now, I can't imagine fully what it must have been like for him or his wife, but even sitting in the lobby, my body was shaking. You know, my life wasn't threatened, but that's the intensity of the moment. And it took about an hour, but this was the day that the doctor was going to tell him. It wasn't another test, it was the result. Mm. And when he came out of uh, the meeting with the doctor, he came over and got me, and I looked into his face and was hardly able to read anything. And I put my hand on his shoulder and asked what was said, and he said one word, arthritis. Oh, wow. This, this whole <laughs> affair was simply arthritis. And that's the experience that we don't get to have in life. Many of us have, have seen people um, who are terminally ill suffer through that and eventually pass away or people, you know, die in, in other ways. That's a common experience in life, sad though it is. Um, but we walked outside the doctor's office and I looked in his face because that's the only place I could look because that's where it was all happening. And to look into a man's face, particularly a man you, you love and have loved for so many years, to look into that, into the face of a man who has been shot at and missed is a, is a wondrous thing. And what I also realize there is that moments like that in real life are very different than the way they occur in movies. In a movie, there would have been music that would have somehow explained what the feelings were. In real life, you're just standing there. And there's something anticlimactic about it in that way. But I will tell you, as I stood there with Chuck and his wife and her father, it was just the four of us standing there talking about, you know, Chuck told the story of what happened, and then we were just talking about everyday things. We weren't talking about what had just occurred. But even while we talked about those, those everyday uh, you know, type comments, we were all faced with the eternal things. Mm -hmm. And we were, we were asking ourselves, I just know that all four of us were asking ourselves, what does this mean? You know, will this be, will this be a change in my life? 
Will it be a change in Chuck's life? Will I learn to be a better friend, a better son, a better brother? You know, good will come from that. And, you know, David, um, David in da the book David Copperfield by Charles Dickens, uh, uh, Dickens says uh, that, that life uh, trifles are the sum of life. And I was thinking about that that morning um, because we were all going to go have an ordinary day after that. Thank heaven for the ordinary days. You know, thank heaven for the bad days. Thank heaven for the days that it rains when you have something planned outside. Mm -hmm. Thank heaven for a bad meal at a restaurant because when you are faced with not having any of those things, hang on to life. Hang on to the people oh, yeah. you love and who love you. And um, yeah, we generally don't talk about serious things, but I just wanted to say that. Okay. Uh, so anyway, that, that was what I wanted to say, and I appreciate you giving me the freedom there. Uh, it's, it's an awesome story, and I, I think we take, we ta I don't want to say we take it for granted, but I think oftentimes we are in denial about things. And, and to, to say something like, I know you're afraid, instead of the typical... You know, I know how you feel. No, you don't. You, you're not walking in those exact shoes at the moment. You know, like when I lost my father, I was very young, and the last thing I wanted to hear was, it's going to be okay, or I know how you feel. I just, I was really actually quite disappointed when my father died that nobody was just there to hug me. And I'm not, ma I wasn't mad at anybody. I was just more like, it, it makes you realize that people don't know how to deal with it, and they're stuck in a, in a, a place of denial that if they have to deal with it, then they have to look at their own mortality or have their own sadness. And it's just a real awkward. And I think we came on this, we talked about it recently, when my mother's sister, my aunt, and my mother's boyfriend, because my father's been gone now 20 years, both my mother's sister and my mother's boyfriend died in March within 40, 48 hours of each other. And it was such a heart-wrenching thing for me do I fly back home to be with her, to sit with her through two funerals? And my mom and I went back, and we had a heart-to-heart. -heart. I said, I could come home and cry with you, or I could come home in May when I can spend a full week with you and hug you and have fun with you. And it was a really heart-to-heart, -heart, real, raw conversation of, you know, we have these deaths to deal with, but why don't we celebrate life? I remember you telling me about that. Told me a lot about your mom. Yeah. Can I react to what you just said? Sure. You know, even though we were, sa I was saying um, when I was speaking uh, about Chuck that, you know, when people say those things that uh, are are a little bit wide of the mark, that I wonder if it makes the person feel alone. And I was wondering that as you were telling the story about your mother. But in case anybody's listening um, to this and really thinking about a moment in their own life, you know, it is hard to figure out what the right thing is to say. And nobody gets it right all the time. Um, don't be afraid to talk, though. Mm -hmm. You know, the times that I have been uh, faced with deaths that are close to me and people have said something that, I, that, that didn't quite hit me right and maybe I wish they had said something different, what we all recognize is uh, they love us, they care, nobody knows what to say. But what they're really saying is those two things. I love you. I care. Mm -hmm. You matter to me. Things like that. So um, any, anyway, I think we all recognize that in life, that, that words are hard, 
but the feelings behind them are very easy to see. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for sharing that story. I think it's I think it's a really touching story, and said something like that happened to me. I hope you do that for me. Hmm. Although you'll probably give me a hard time while you're doing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's go to a break, and when we come back, I really want to uh, talk about Scott's love life because that's so much fun to do. Yeah, and it will not be as serious as what we just are finishing up here. Yeah, it'll be. We'll get back to having a little more fun. Yes, but we want to throw some serious in once in a while because it's real. So we'll talk to you in a minute. And uh, as usual, I really do enjoy picking on you about your love life. Not picking on you, but it's I almost made it through a show I without know. this. We have 15 minutes to go, but by golly, you're going to force this yeah, in, aren't you? Yeah, I've decided that it's going to be part of every show, that we're going to have a whole segment <laughs> on what's going on in Scott's love life. Because inquiring minds want to know, and uh, Michelle sent in a chat um, wanting to know, what type of woman are you looking for? Um, I think you had asked me this question before. Um, yeah, but I like to ask it over and over again because sometimes we have different listeners. Now, I suppose I could say something that you hear other people say. I just want somebody who's breathing. Uh, no, that's not true. Is this supposed to be a serious question? Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know how to answer it other than seriously because I actually think about it all the time. Sure, let's share it because maybe there's a woman out there for you. Now, I know this first part. This has led to some lectures that I have received in my lifetime from, from people around me who have no respect for me. But, you know, I like, I like girls who are, you know, cute and with, with great figures. Okay. Now, some people say, well, isn't that a little superficial? Well, that, that is the initial thing that, that attracts. If you're on Match.com or something like that, that's the reason that the pictures are the first thing you see you're either attracted or repelled by the picture, so I think it's fair to want, you sure. know, a, a, a really good-looking um, woman. But here, let me give you some advice. Oh, gosh. I thought it was a question to me. I should have known that this well, was a setup for advice from you. And now I feel compelled. So I think, I think that is really valid. However, women who are listening probably stop listening to you just now when you said you want a cute girl with a nice figure because we are all very critical of ourselves and there are plenty of women out there who probably have cute figures that don't think their figures are cute and so they're automatically going to count themselves out as a potential candidate for you. Should I have lied and answered the question a different way? I mean, that's not the only yes. thing that I want. Yes, I would have started out with this, the softer cell, like the... Okay. Okay. Woman who mis will massage my feet and pull out my nose hairs or something like that. All right, well, then let me ask you this very direct question. Why, okay. Why you're trying to have everybody believe that I'm unfair and trying to have me believe that I've hurt everybody's I never said feelings. That. I never said that. If I were to ask you uh -huh. what kind of guy you're attracted to, would you say, well, I want somebody who's ugly? No, you want somebody who is no, attractive. No, no, but that's not the first thing that does not come. Uh, women are different. Attractive is not the first thing that comes to my mind especially at my age. Well, okay. Because the older okay. you guys get, I don't goes. know what you're picturing when I say, you know, a attractive, I call, I call women girls, and we had talked about right. this uh, one time, but I don't think it was when we were actually on the air. Um, girls is what we, many of us call women, 
in the South, and it is, um, I think Gabby had said it that, that one day, that that's a term of endearment. Yeah, it's endearing. And I realized to, to some people, in uh, big city people Although Gloria Steinem would probably like have an issue with that. She might have an yeah. issue with it. And, and some people very have, a, have a very legitimate issue, and they think to call women girls is disrespectful. It's, it's, it's not at all a, a part of uh, the culture here, and certainly not a part of my thinking. But when I say I want somebody who's attractive, look, Every guy and every girl wants somebody who's attractive, and the people they are with are attractive to them. So maybe the way you should, you should um, I don't want to tell you what you should do, but maybe the, the, the way to look at what I just said is to know that it's important to all of us to find somebody we are attracted to. So that certainly is going to be a requirement. And um, I think you should rephrase it as, a woman I'm attracted to as opposed to a woman who's cute with a nice figure. Well, I'm not sure how much that changes it. Do, do it I need changes just, it immensely with right, a woman. Well, I'm just going to back out of it altogether and say, you know, I, I don't care anything about how, how a girl looks. <laughs> you know, I, I would never be so so stupid and superficial as, as to even, you know, I, I'm going to date with my eyes closed from here on in. So I'm only getting in touch with the inner person there. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I want a girl to be, um, I want her to be funny. I want her to think I'm funny. And I oh, want her to, wow. That's, I, I look, that's a tall order. Look, look. You, you want know, her to be funny, cute, nice body, think you're funny, and what else is on this? Smart. Smart. Ambitious. Ambitious. Creative. This is a dream list. Cre- have you ever been married? Well, no, I haven't been married. I Well, you know. Had a long relationship, and I, actually, the the um, hmm. she fed all those things. Okay. And uh, certainly, she's not the only girl in the world who who fits all those mm-hmm. things. So it is possible. Know. Yeah. To find that. Absolutely. Oh. Okay. So then let's let's then so that I can understand because I really really am searching for you. This topic is putting me to sleep. I'm going to have to check my own pulse over here in a minute. Dustin, is it putting you to sleep? (laughs) (laughs) The problem problem is I'm answering the question seriously, and I I, I should be saying I want a woman who's eight feet tall, you you know. Well, we could go back to talking about the Urban Dictionary when I brought up the the term boo to you, since we're talking about girlfriends. You told me what that meant, and I can't... Oh, 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 it means it's like beau, isn't it? Boo is like my boo. You're my, you're my, you're my man. I think, I think that's just a mispronunciation of no. beau, B-E-A-U. No. no, it's boo, B-O-O. On Urban Dictionary, it is spelled that way. Well, that's a misspelling of the no, word. No, listen. It's a mispronunciation this is what's funny. and a misspelling. It's a funny... It's in the dictionary, in but Urban boo Dictionary. Is boo cl- is clearly a derivative of beau. Clearly. Look, it, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you Urban to, Dictionary does not say that. No, no. Stop the chatter. Stop the chatter. I want you. I want you to just just stop that right now, and I want you to think. Close your eyes. Know that I'm right. Fold your hands and admit it. I can't admit to something that there's no scientific evidence that backs it up. Well, now um, we'll just go on to the next <laughs> word. Then I, I knew you weren't going to admit it. I, I tried. I tried. No, I. I, I think it is a really reasonable assessment. I would I would go with that. I would I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing that backs that up. But that makes sense. It's what ab- what about my own credentials? What about my personal authority? 
that no. backs it up. You know, there's no, Noah Webster. No, that actually sets you back. There's, uh, you know, the Oxford English, there's the American Heritage, and then there's Scott. Yeah, let's move on to another word. <laughs> so the other one that I find really interesting, since we're talking about love life, is hit that. I want to hit that. Is this another one of your dirty comments? <laughs> it's slightly dirty because hit that means like get with you or have sex with you. Girl, I want to hit that. Well, how is that sort of dirty? Well, I mean, it's it's subjective on Isn't whether or not it's dirty. Sex is natural, so if you're going to call it dirty, we can call it dirty. I'm just saying hit that means I want to sleep with her. I want to have sex with her. Okay, well, I've heard that before. That's sort of locker room talk for guys. What, you've been in a locker and a guy's like, I want to hit that? Yeah, I, I don't say it. Have I'm you actually heard I, that? I've actually heard in that. In what locker rooms do you hang out in? You know, a locker room like, locker room talk doesn't mean that it's only spoken in a locker room. It's, it's what we call, um, now stay with me here, stay with me, slow your mind down. It's a figure of speech. Locker okay. room talk, it's descriptive. Okay, so if you didn't hear it in the locker room, where did you hear it? I'm afraid because of your position in life. <laughs> like, where, <laughs> who are you position. hanging out with? Uh, th that's something I've not heard in a long time. Okay, because that's a you really know, kind of young. It's young. And, you know, that, that was years ago that I heard that. Uh, um, we, we, we certainly, I, I never spoke that way. I, I, I'll just be straight with you there. Um, I can't imagine you but, uh, talking that way. Yeah, I'm just not like that. But, no. but other guys are, and I don't. Know if they mean any trouble by it. It's just one of those funny things. But okay. yeah, we know what it means. We probably so ought to. Are there, any, are there any clean words on the list that? Um, here, this one might be interesting. It kind of goes in line with the wallet threat. Aluminum digger. Okay, I'm going to take a guess and say that this has something to do with girls who are gold diggers, uh -huh. but they're going out with guys who don't have that much money, so they are mining and. Content with a sheet of aluminum. Bingo. <laughs> a term uh, meaning a younger girl who is too young to be a gold digger. A woman who preys on men for their money and has yet and has yet to move up to the metal scheme. Now I haven't even seen the Urban, Dic Urban Dictionary, but <laughs> but is is that impressive to you? Because it ought to be. The way I reasoned through that. You know, almost in a syllogistic what? manner. Oh, are you impressive to me? Yeah, I want to oh, make I sure that you you're... Oh, I thought you meant Urban Dictionary. No, the Urban Dictionary isn't impressing anybody. <laughs> it's putting them to sleep out there. But this is an opportunity for me to shine. You okay. know, you're, you're like, a, you know, a shooting comet, and I'm a fixed star. You know, that's the relationship here. So, you know, I, I nailed that word from, from halfway across the room here, and I, you know, I just thought okay. it was pretty impressive, and we'll All probably right. be getting some chats about that. How, how about, this is the, one of the newest ones. This one no, just we are getting chats about that. Oh, I'm not even looking. Very, look at that. Diane from I Can't Read the City. That sounds smart. <laughs> no. You're dead on, Diane. No. Dead on. I Clearly, she started happy hour early. <laughs> right. Diane is... And she's drinking. ...is wasted. Um, all three words were misspelled. Uh, so, yeah. you know, maybe that doesn't mean a whole lot. But thanks for listening, Diane. Uh, oh, she wants to be your aluminum digger. That's what she says. Well, um, maybe... A well, you're, you're barking up the right path because it's not gold. Yeah, it's not gold. Probably not aluminum. It's more like a, you'd have to be a cardboard digger. For you? Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, then you'd be happy. I had no idea. Okay, one more. One more. That's what BP said. That's what BP said. That's a very new one. BP. You know that little oil catastrophe going on? I know I, 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 know yeah, I don't look smart. But surely I, that's not what they're talking about there. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. That's, that's what, what BP said. It's, it's, you know, like, that's what she said, which is a reference to, like, a sexual thing that came from the office. That's what BP said is now something people are saying when something is just a freaking catastrophe. Well, this is really cut, cutting edge here. Yeah. You know, already, you know, coming up with, uh, you know, good street nomenclature for yeah. BP. We are, like, right on the cutting edge of the Urban Dictionary. Well. You could go around saying that now, like, if you had a bad day at work. That's what BP said. Or you can say, shit just got real. Not shit happens but shit just got real which is like a higher form are we allowed to even say that yes or we are something that you because we are not fcc regulated we could even say the f word which yeah. has been tempting but i'm not that kind of a girl <laughs> um yeah I, I don't i'm not sure whether it's allowed or not I, I it know is that, allowed i've researched it i know that you're you know a, i know how litigious you you're are a, you're a maverick you know and an anarchist and those kinds of things and you're going to say what you want mm -hmm. um I don't know if there's a mute button on your microphone, but I'm going to have them put one on. Okay. What else you got, babe? Um, I've got one more, and then we got to go because it's time for us to go. I can't believe that. Yeah. You know, I had a whole lot more I wanted to talk about. I know. This this hour is too short. No. Okay, one more. Listen, we, how much time do we have left? Like a second, like 30 seconds, like two minutes. Two minutes. Yeah. Well, so we don't get caught up because I want you to finish up with with, with whatever, you, whatever you got there. Um, if anybody's still awake while she's doing this. Um, <laughs> But but I hope everybody is is enjoying the show. We want you to listen um, when you can each week. We're we're on every Tuesday at five o'clock Eastern time, and we're we're just talking about the the things that we think are cool and think are funny and think are interesting and think will get you thinking mm -hmm. and get us thinking. So we're just having fun. So if you can be with us on Tuesdays at at five o'clock uh, p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, uh, we'd just love to have you. It's it, it's a great show, and we want to have fun together, and we want to have fun, more importantly, with you. What else you got, Gab? The last one, drive-by friending. It's a drive-by friending. I know you're not into this, but it's a Facebook thing, and on Facebook, everybody's trying to be your friend because you're friends with other people's friends who are friends with their friends and their sister's friends, and so they try to be your friend, so they send you an invitation, like, be my friend. I'm just, and, and you're like, why am I going to be your friend? I don't even know who the hell you are. It's called drive-by friending when you get those invitations to be someone's friend that you have no idea who they are. Yeah, so but you have mutual friends, and therefore they think you should be their friend. When, when you begin with Facebook, I immediately quit listening because you, you, know, you know that. You need a Facebook uh, lesson. I just, just don't like Facebook. I know everybody likes it. Please don't be offended, but we can't all agree on it. You, I might, like meet, you, might, you might find love on Facebook. Ooh, I will tell you about something. Next week, I, ha I do have a story for you. Yeah, what, let's, let's, what yes, is that? I'm going to write I it in my book. Do. What story is it going to be? It's going to be the Match.com story. <gasps> Sweet. Awesome. Tune in next week for the Match.com story about Scott. Yep. But we got to go now. Thanks for listening. I'm Gabby. Okay, bye, friends. I'm Scott. See you. Have a great week. Hi, this is Michelle with LaBellamy Vineyard. You're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Join the party and live it up in Shag City, live Fridays, 11.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Eastern.